0: and welcome back to the Inside Story with RLLC. Today, we will be talking to Susan Danker about dyslexia. Hi, Susan. How are you? I'm great. How are you today, Tristan? I'm wonderful. We're excited to have you on the podcast. I'm just going to have you start by telling us a little bit about who you are and what you do.
1: Wonderful. So I'm Susan Danker, and I'm one of the co-owners of the Reading and Language Learning Center. Carla Askew is my business partner. And in May 2002, we started the Reading and Language Learning Center, specifically because we recognized there was a need for helping children with dyslexia. Um, As speech-language pathologists, we were seeing some of our clients come in for, you know, delayed language, and then they were with us for a little bit. And then when they became school age, we started seeing the difficulty they were having with um, recognizing letters and the sounds that letters make and then ultimately reading.
0: Okay, very cool. Um, So if you're looking to find Susan online, you can find her on our website, which is readingllcenter.com. And then we also have a Facebook and an Instagram and the handles for those are Reading LL Center. So I think we can just hop right into the interview if you're ready for that. Um, So our first question is, what is dyslexia?
1: It's a great question. October is actually Dyslexia Awareness Month. So I'm really glad we're doing this podcast now. But dyslexia is a language based learning disability. And dyslexic children and adults, um, they struggle to read fluently, spell words correctly, and often have difficulty learning a second language. But those difficulties, they have no connection at all to their overall intelligence. In fact, dyslexia is an unexpected difficulty in reading in an individual who has intelligence to be a much better reader. So while people with dyslexia are slow readers, um, they are often very fast and creative thinkers with strong reasoning skills.
0: Wow. Okay. That's really interesting. So what are the some of the common red flags then?
1: Yeah. So there's so many red flags that happen so early on. Um, families, um, doctors, and teachers can often spot these red flags if they know actually what to look for. So when children don't crawl, And when they go from just pulling up to walking, this is a critical skill of crossing the midline, which is so important for the brain development. So that is often a red flag. Um, Since uh, dyslexia is language-based, other signs show up early, such as a delay in talking. As these kids grow into toddlers, they have some difficulty then separating sounds out. Like for example, the first time that they have to do rhyming exercises or just playing with sounds, that's very difficult for them. They also have difficulty learning the letters and the sounds that go with those letters. Um, So teachers, parents, and pediatricians really would be the first ones to notice that something is not developing. The pediatricians, of course, they follow the child's milestones, so it's really important to involve them more.
0: So how early can you identify them?
1: Great question. So dyslexia can be identified very early on, early in the preschool ages. So again here, this is where the kids might have some difficulty learning just some basic nursery rhymes such as like Jack and Jill. Um, they might have difficulty learning, like I said before, the letters in the alphabet and remembering what those letters are and the sound that they make difficulty recognizing the letters in their own names, or they may persist with baby talk. Also, if there's family history of dyslexia, then definitely early intervention is going to be key there. There's tons of red flags that we see as the kids get old, because oftentimes we don't get the little ones coming in unless there is family history or a sibling um, is already working with us. And then the parents say, oh, my, now Johnny is also doing some of the same things. So they might have us do an assessment or even a screening um, a little bit earlier just to head things off. Um, In kindergarten and first grade, we begin to see lots of um, mistakes that the children have when they're reading. So, for example, there's often picture books when kids are starting to read that young. And so they might mistake things and say, like, puppy, when the word is dog on the page, because they're looking actually at the picture and not looking at the words that they're reading from. And oftentimes, they might have um, difficulty with smaller words that they can't even sound out a word like cat, k, and not being able to make the associations with the letters, for example, Bs and Ds are often transposed with young children. And that transposure is typically due to the fact that they don't have that letter sound association. As children get older, um, even into high school and college, that difficulty typically persists with the reading. So they may still be slower and have difficulty Sounding out multisyllabic words, and those spelling difficulties often persist if they don't receive treatment early on. Right. Often, when children are older, they may have some difficulties with language fluency. For example, they may use a lot of ums and uh in between their sentences when they're talking. They might have some imprecise language. And just some general anxiety about speaking out loud. Um, mispronunciations are very common of names and places. Um, they might even trip over parts of a word. So, oftentimes, we'll hear people say, like, instead of guacamole, it may come out like guacagoli. Um, so, those kind of transpositions within the word. They may also have some trouble, trouble retrieving words. Um, Like they may have how people say, oh, it was just on the tip of my tongue. I just, oh, I can't remember it. That's often another one of those red flags that we see during speaking. Um, Oftentimes their vocabulary is quite excellent and their listening comprehension is also
0: pretty good too. Wow. All really interesting things that I think most people wouldn't think about um, in terms of dyslexia. So after going through these red flags um, and kind of understanding how early we can identify who is able actually to identify dyslexia,
1: speech language pathologists and trained psychologists are the best um, able to diagnose dyslexia. They have to take a lot of trainings um, to be able to have this skill. It's not just something you learn overnight. It takes a lot of practice. Um, So they're the best who are certified So you have to find somebody that is certified. You can look on the International Dyslexia Association website to find people that are trained. Awesome. Okay.
0: So we talked about how you can actually identify dyslexia pretty early. So why is early um, identification and intervention so critical?
1: Yes, just like with all other language-based learning disabilities, early intervention is key, and early intervention with kids with dyslexia is critical. Research studies have even shown that when children are at risk and they receive intervention, that 95% of them don't actually fall behind their peers and that they experience fewer emotional struggles. And that's a big, big thing. A lot of the children that we see at the clinic, they don't come to us till third or fourth grade, sometimes even high school. And at that point, they're so emotionally beat down. Um, They feel like they're dumb, and they just can't do it because school is so hard. And to be honest, they're often smarter than some of their peers. It's just that it's not coming naturally for them. So they're having to work just as hard, but they also haven't been taught the right way. And then in kindergarten and first grade, this is considered that window of opportunity where we can prevent the long-term reading problems. So if we can get those kids early, um, we have such a better chance that they don't develop their own coping mechanisms and strategies that they use often to get by until that third to fourth grade year when things change. That's when, Um, We're no longer reading just to read, but we're reading to comprehend. And that's typically where teachers start noticing, hey, Johnny's having a lot of trouble with reading. He doesn't understand what he's reading. And that comprehension piece is often the red flag to teachers. But without the early intervention, that reading gap between the struggling readers and their peers will continue to grow over time. One of the studies I was looking at showed that 74% of children who display reading problems in the third grade will actually remain poor readers into adulthood unless they receive special instruction on reading and phonological awareness.
0: Wow, those numbers are pretty shocking. Um, Right? I didn't realize that 95% of people who, you know, um, get early intervention, end up not falling behind their peers. That's incredible. So mm-hmm. it is really important. Yep. Wow. It's so yep. hearing those numbers, I'd love to know how many people have dyslexia.
1: Mm-hmm. So dyslexia is really common. Um, a lot of people don't even realize that it affects 20% of the population. So 80 to 90% of all of those people with learning disabilities fall into that dyslexia category. Wow. Um, yeah. So the numbers are quite big. You often will hear one in five.
0: Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Yeah. So now that we've kind of gone over the red flags and who can identify and stuff like that, I heard you say a couple of times that those with dyslexia are often smarter than their peers Um, So can you speak to the strengths of those that have dyslexia?
1: Sure. A lot of the students that have dyslexia have an enormous sense of curiosity and they have great imaginations. They can tell you these amazing stories, but as soon as you ask them to help you write it down, that's when things shut down. Um, So their expressive ability is wonderful. They're able to figure things out pretty quickly and they embrace new ideas. um, Very three-dimensional love to play with Legos. Probably hear that a lot from parents. They always say, oh, my son loves to play with Legos, or my daughter loves um, building with the blocks. Very typical. They typically have a very large vocabulary. Um, And like I said, the Legos and puzzles, those are things that typically children with dyslexia love to do. They typically will have good comprehension for stories that they listen to. So it's great if parents can spend some time reading to their kids each night, even if the child can't read or they're a little bit older. Just hearing those stories or using an audio book is so important to keep growing that vocabulary. Um, The children also typically they have excellent, like I said, they can tell the stories. So they have excellent writing skills and I'm not talking about the motor skill but excellent being able to put a story together so the content is there but the spelling oftentimes is not spelling and punctuation Uh, they often exhibit extreme a high level of empathy um, which is really nice to see we do a superhero group um, on Mondays and the kids come into it of all different ages they are so empathetic towards one another and they're welcoming and they they really take time to get to know each other and have an understanding of like, hey, it's okay. Like some things are hard for me too. It's really nice to see
0: that. Wow, oh, that's so sweet. I'm sure, especially with the younger ones, it's very cute to see. So what are some of the things that parents can do at home to work on like early literacy skills and especially knowing that the writing skills are there, it's just the spelling and um, punctuation are hard.
1: Mm-hmm. Some things that parents can do at home for the little kids, um, working on rhyming, that's really important. And that was preschool, kindergarten age range. Um, playing games with words that rhyme, um, clapping out syllables and words is really helpful too. Um, showing the child a sight word, and by a sight word, I mean a word that cannot be phonetically decoded. So sight words, like the word like the, we can't sound that out. We have to actually memorize that word, but we should only be memorizing true sight words. So we could paste some of these up around the house. We could put maybe on the refrigerator, put a post-it note with the word the on it. Maybe we put another one with the word was on a different door so the student is seeing those over and over again Um, even with those same sight words they could do some writing and shaving cream so just put a tray out the cookie sheet tray and put some shaving cream and let the child kind of finger write in that those things are great like i said before um, reading to them having them dictate stories to you or using the talk to text feature um, on the computer to let them tell their own story in Google, and it gets captured. And then you can go back with them and help them kind of revise or maybe add some punctuation. Because sometimes when they're talking, they just keep going and going with all their ideas.
0: And it doesn't seem like they've actually ended their sentences. (laughs) Uh, Knowing the things that parents can do at home, which sound like a lot of fun, what does a therapy session look like?
1: Mm -hmm. So reading therapy sessions, they must occur frequently and with great intensity um, in order for the therapy to work Um, at the Reading and Language Learning Center. We won't accept clients that don't follow the recommendations um, because we've seen what happens when they don't, when they dribble out the therapy. They just don't get the results and the kids often have some difficulty with working memory, so they're not able to hold on to the information from the session before. So each session builds upon the next. So we typically see the clients five times per week for 30 minutes to an hour of therapy. And then that usually goes for about 60 hours of therapy. And following that, the therapy session frequency is reduced based on the child's progress. So parents often ask, well, how long will this take? you know, I don't have a magic wand. Well, I wish I did. Um, There is no magic wand and there is no cure for dyslexia. But what we can do is we can give them the tools that they need to be successful. Um, So every child is going to move at a different rate. And so it can't really say it takes this long. But on average, we do tend to see the kids for, you know, that 60 hour program, and then typically a whole nother school year and possibly a summer as well, and then, but it wouldn't be at that high frequency rate. And then um, after that, we typically they would be reduced to one to two times per week, and then keeps reducing to maybe just check in plan. Um, and then sometimes our clients come back to us, you know, they might've finished in the fourth grade and they come back when they're transitioning to middle school or transitioning to high school, uh, because there's a need at that point. So as the needs change, parents often will come back and say, Hey, we'd really like to do a little bit more work. Um, can we work on the expressive writing now? That's where things are falling apart. Right. Yeah. That's good to know. Yeah. And from our um, initial testing, whether we've done it or a psychologist has done it, we're typically able to make a therapy plan um, tailored to their specific needs. So all of our clients, regardless of their age, they have a piece of phonemic awareness built into their sessions. Um, That's one of the biggest foundational skills that's often missing. Um, And once these foundational skills are solid, we move on to teaching them Orton Gillingham based spelling rules, and we do this at the word, phrase, sentence, and ultimately the paragraph level.
0: Awesome. I think my last question for you is just do you have any um, success stories that really bring a smile to your face that you want to share?
1: Sure. Um, So many success stories over the years, um, but one that comes to mind, I'm just going to change the student's name. I'm going to call him Matt. Um, for this story, but Matt came to us um, as a sibling. I had worked with his older sister, so the family history of dyslexia was there, and he wasn't catching on um, to the letters, the alphabet letters, and numbers. Um, so mom was concerned, and she asked, "Well, could you just do you know do some testing with him and see what you think?" Um, so we did that, and lo and behold, he si- he had very similar issues as his sister although his sister had more issues in the language um, comprehension and expression piece where his was mostly just in the phonemic and in the orthographic piece so long story short he did some individual sessions and you know caught on to the letters and the sounds and some early phonemic awareness skills. And then he joined our summer intensive reading program. And he was one of the youngest in the group. So he was seven at the time. And the other kids in the group were seven, seven and a half. There were four kids in total in the group. So, you know, we were working on all of these skills. And towards the end of the program, we had almost been to, I think we were about probably 50 hours in, Um, the student named Matt, it was his turn to read out loud. um, And the kids were taking turns going around the table. And Matt had never read anything in front of the group. And it was the sweetest thing. He read his sentence. And everybody all the kids jumped up and they said he did it he just read his first sentence and it was so warming um and like i said the children were so empathetic and he was delighted that he had read his
0: first sentence with us ah yeah. oh, that's so awesome yeah. wow it must be awesome to hear like other really cool stories and you know kind of see like breakthrough moments for each kid as they come through the mm-hmm. clinic yeah.
1: And they happen so readily. It's not, it's not just like Matt's story. There's so many kids that we've helped that, um, you know, just even the smallest breakthrough where they're like, oh, I read this or I spelled these words right on my test today. Yeah. You know, the little victories, they all add up over time.
0: That's fantastic. Oh, it must yeah. be such a fun thing to do.
1: <laughs> it is. And we often say we have the privilege of giving children the gift of reading.
0: Yeah, that's fantastic. Wow. Well, that's my last question for you. But if you have anything else you want to add or anything you want to tell the folks about, feel free.
1: So there's a great opportunity that's taking place right now. It's called the Dyslexic Edge, Pathways to STEM Excellence. And they have put together a speaker series. And for the second year in a row, Carla and I are speaking as part of that panel. And um, our section will be on May 9th. Um, so there'll be a live, interactive portion of this. Um, but you can definitely check out all the different speakers, um, just by going to the dyslexic And there's, um,
0: a space where you can buy tickets right on that site. Awesome. And I'll put, um, the link to that in the show notes so people can find it. Wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being on this episode this week, Susan. We really appreciate you sharing all of your, um, knowledge on dyslexia. Awesome. Thank you so much, Tristan, for having me. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Of course. Um, Just a reminder to the audience to subscribe and leave us a little rating and a review. We're happy that you guys are listening and thank you so much. Have a great rest of your day.